Well, good morning, saints. It's good to see you all as we gather for worship on this uh, Lord's Day. Merry Christmas to you all. It's very good to be here on Christmas Eve to worship with you uh, this morning. Uh, just a quick rem- reminder, we do have an evening service tonight. We have an evening service uh, most nights at 5 p.m., but tonight is our Christmas Eve service. So we're combining uh, the two. So if you, if you can make it, we'd love to have you out uh, back with us tonight at 5 p.m. for our Christmas Eve service. And do uh, please uh, invite friends, family, as you, uh, if you're able, if you uh, so desire. We'd love to have them uh, join us for our Christmas Eve service tonight uh, at 5, 5 p.m. Um, well, I've already gotten into the announcements. I usually say, announce that I'm about to do the announcements. We're already doing that. So um, Christmas Eve service tonight at 5 p.m. There's also no Sunday school uh, next week and no evening service next week. So next week is... Uh, New Year's Eve uh, next week, so we will not have an evening service on December uh, 31st. And again, our Sunday school classes are on break, uh, have been on break. Um, uh, This morning we'll be on break uh, once again uh, next week. Uh, We are very thankful to our Sunday school teachers for all the hard work they put into uh, serving uh, our students. And so um, we are giving this time to them to have a break. Uh, also, if you would, please uh, mark your calendars. This is going to stay in the, in the uh, announcements until we actually have the meeting. Uh, January 27th is our annual, annual congregational meeting. That's Saturday, January 27th. Uh, so please mark your calendars uh, for that. If you're a member, we would love to have you there um, uh, for that. Uh, also, uh, this isn't in uh, the bulletin. This isn't in the announcements um, because I forgot. I'm sorry to put it in there. Uh, but this morning, we are receiving Jeff and Denise Rains into communicant membership of Providence uh, Presbyterian Church. And so we're very happy about that uh, to receive Jeff and Denise this morning. We'll do that uh, later on uh, in the service. Uh, friends, if you would keep on your minds and your hearts the various prayer requests that are listed there in the insert uh, in your bulletin this week, our family of the week is Ellie Casey. So please uh, pray for uh, Ellie this week. Uh, also, you'll notice that uh, we've done a little bit of cleaning up on the prayer requests uh, list. If uh, you see that your name was on there and it's not on there anymore and you're offended by that or upset by that, uh, it's nothing personal. Um, and if you would like your name to be put back on, please let me know. But some of the names were, had to do with surgeries and other things that seem to be uh, on the mend. Um, but if you would like your name added back on there, uh, please, uh, for, by all means, please let me know. We can get you back on. Uh, in light of that, uh, one prayer request that uh, we would like you to remember is to uh, please continue to pray for the Broccolo family, and especially for Autumn Broccolo. Uh, a family found out this morning that she's struggling with very high fever, and so please pray that uh, that fever would uh, subside and uh, con- uh, pray for her continued strength and um, Time in the hospital. She's now, uh, they've spent uh, 100 days with Autumn in the hospital, over 100 days now. And so, uh, uh, very difficult thing. Uh, But they're making it, they're doing a wonderful job. And so, please uh, continue to pray for Autumn and for the Broccolo family. Uh, One last thing, I'm forgetting something. There's one last announcement I need to make. I was just about to say it, and I forgot it. <laughs> uh, Jeff and Denise, uh, we're receiving Jeff and Denise this morning, evening service tonight, Christmas Eve service. It must have not been that important, so I guess it's gone. apologize about that. 
Uh, well, uh, once again, it's good to be with you here this morning uh, to, wor- to worship the Lord, um, our God. Friends, as the music plays, let us prepare our hearts uh, now to worship the Lord. Okay, well, our beloved elder emeritus, Jeff Levy, just sparked my memory. So before we begin our worship, I will just mention the one thing that I almost, or I had forgotten. As you can see, we have a new pulpit. So this is a new pulpit, handcrafted, hand-designed. We're very thankful to the Lord for this, yes. We'll see if that has any influence on the sermons, so... Uh, but we're very thankful to the Lord for this. Uh, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful pulpit. Um, uh, the previous pulpit has had seen better days. And so uh, we do hope that this one will last a long time and that this church will be served uh, well by it. Well, friends, to the saints at Providence Presbyterian Church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would now, please stand as we hear our God call us to worship him from Luke chapter 1. This is Mary's response to having been given full confirmation that the Son of God, her Lord, was growing in her womb. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Let us now sing the doxology. Father and our God, our spirits rejoice in you, and we give you praise and magnify your name, for you have lifted us up from the ash heap by your strong right arm. We thank you, O Lord, for the wisdom and the grace and the power that you've revealed in the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, who took on human flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary, so that he might give that flesh over to death to save an undeserving people like us. Father, we thank you for this wonderful privilege we have as your people 
to magnify your name in spirit and in truth, to gather, to be encouraged by the gospel. Father, bless us with your presence this morning. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you would now please turn in your hymnals to hymn 293, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, hymn 293.
may be seated. I would like to invite you now to turn to the front of your Trinity hymnal on page Roman numeral 16. Uh, there you will find a list of the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are a revelation of the moral law of God uh, to man, what is required in order that man may have fellowship with God. The incarnation reminds us that God took on human flesh, and so that in that flesh, He could fulfill this law perfectly, and so lay down His life also to bear the curse of the law in our behalf. And so uh, the Christmas uh, story is one in which we rejoice in indeed. In and so let's remember that as we read the Ten Commandments together. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Well, beloved, having heard God's law, let us confess our sins to God together by reciting the prayer of confession that is listed in the insert in your bulletin. I, a poor sinner, confess to you, O Almighty, Eternal, Merciful God and Father, that I have sinned in manifold ways against you and your commandments. I confess that I have not believed in you, my one God and Father, but have put my faith and trust more in creatures than in you, my God and Creator, because I feared them more than you. And for their benefit and pleasure, 
I have broken your law. Therefore, I beseech you, O Heavenly Father, that you would graciously forgive me these and all my sins. Keep and preserve me henceforth, that I may walk in your way and live according to your will. And all of this through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, our Savior. Amen. Well, beloved, God is gracious. He is merciful. His ears are ever open to the cries of his people for the forgiveness of sins. And those cries have been answered permanently and forever by the death and resurrection of his Son. And he gives us assurance in his word that this is true, as we see in the Gospel of Luke uh, chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. If you would now turn with me in your hymnals to hymn 311, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, hymn 311, and let's all stand together as we sing. seated.
like to invite you uh, now to turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. So uh, we will be taking a short break this morning from our series through uh, the book of Philippians, Lord willing. Uh, we'll return to that uh, next week. Um, this morning and tonight, of course, we'll focus on uh, the wonderful uh, gift that has been given to us from God, the giving of His own Son who took on human flesh in order that He might die in that flesh for His people. And so this morning we will look at uh, 1 John chapter 4 as we consider the incarnation of our Lord. And we will consider verses... Uh, 7 through 10. So 1 John uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, beloved, before we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, as the rain comes down and causes grass to grow and flowers to sprout, we are reminded of the way in which your word comes down to your people and does not return to you void. We pray, Father, that you would fill our hearts with love for our Savior, the Son of Righteousness, who came and became man and lived a life and died on our behalf. We pray, Father, that you would set our eyes upon him, lead us to him, to Jesus who reigns at your right hand in heaven. Father, encourage us in Him. Build us up in Your Son, Jesus Christ, the Gospel. May Your Gospel not return to You void, but Lord, may it find fertile soil on which to bear fruit. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Beloved, this is the Word of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever. Well, it was appropriate here, if you're familiar with uh, the book of 1 John, it's appropriate here that John enters into a lesson on love, considering that he had just alerted his readers to the presence of false teachers, antichrists, as he called them in the church. The believers were to be on guard against their, their teaching. And this is true for every age, every generation of believers. We are always called to be on guard against wolves in sheep's clothing, against antichrist figures. John wanted to make clear to this congregation, he wanted to make clear that in the life of the congregation, which was prone to attacks from within and from without, that in the midst of having to be on guard, alert against false teaching in the world, false teaching that can creep in uh, to the church. We are not to forget the new commandment that Jesus gave that we had from the beginning. That's this the language that uh, John uses in this letter and in his gospel. And what is that commandment? That we love one another. We should never forget this commandment. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we might be going through as a church, as families in Christ, 
We must never forget this call to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. For a group of Christians here uh, to which John was writing, this group of Christians who had been deceived by the presence of false teachers, they were Gnostic heretics who condoned sin, they denied Christ, they ultimately left the fellowship of the church. That's what John says. They went out from us so it might become clear that they were never truly part of us to begin with. For this congregation, having dealt with this and now having hearing, uh, having to hear from their leaders that there are false prophets, antichrist figures in the world, it was possible that undue suspicions could arise and that unloving responses to sin in the church or unloving responses to just about anything could result from this negative, overall negative atmosphere, from this fearing anxiety that was perhaps present within the church. And so John wants to curb that possibility. He reminds the church here, let us love one another. Now John later instructs us here is to pray for those that they see committing sin that does not lead to death. And he says, pray for one another. And uh, we know that praying for one another is certainly a way that we love one another. That's an expression of our love for each other when we pray for one another. And so you have these commandments in the New Testament over and over again to continually pray. And John says in, here in this letter in 1 John that we are to pray for one another. Continually to pray for one another. It's an expression of our love for each other. Christ himself is continually praying for us because he loves us. And the Father loves us, and so he answers those prayers for the sake of his Son. And so we are to pray for one another. We are also told elsewhere to restore a person caught in sin with a spirit of gentleness. We're also told not to judge, lest we be judged in the same way that we judge. Jesus also told his disciples that they were being sent out as sheep among wolves, and therefore they were to be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. And so you can see the, the balancing act there within this church uh, that, that was happening. There were wolves among them, but they had to keep hold of their gentleness, keep hold of their innocence. There's a very strong temptation in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficult persecution, to respond to persecution with the same type of vindictiveness, the same type of harshness. You punch me, I'm going to punch you back twice as hard. Well, that's not the Christian ethic, actually. And that is not what John wanted the church uh, to do. No, we are to maintain our love for one another, maintain our innocence. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. We, by God's grace, therefore, are to love one another, while at the same time, we are to be wise, discerning in Jesus Christ. Now, this, this, this type of discerning and thoughtful love, John tells us, is impossible to exhibit apart from the grace of God. And it's impossible to be born of God and truly know God and not love, for love is from God. So it's impossible to love apart from knowing God, and it's impossible to know God and not love. That's basically what John is saying here. So the clear command is that we are to love one another. And the ground that he gives here for this command is that love is from God. 
Those who have been born of God are known to have been born from above. This is the language of the scripture. When we are converted, when we are born again, that's the language of of the Holy Scripture in, in reference to the way in which our hearts are renewed by the Holy Spirit. We are given a heart of flesh. The heart of stone is taken out. We are given a heart of flesh to believe in the gospel and to begin to love Jesus and his people. And so we are born from above. We are regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. To be born of God means that God's seed abides in us. We are his children. He has implanted a renewing and resurrecting principle of love within our inner being, within the very center of our being. That is who we are now. We love when we didn't love. That is what happens as a result of being born again, born again or born, being born of God, as John says here. This is what takes place for those who have believed in the gospel of Christ. John says here that to be born of God means that we know God. One cannot be born of God and not have saving knowledge of God. They virtually equal each other. To become a child of God means that you now know God as your Father. Now this knowledge that John speaks of is different than the knowledge of God that all people have. Even unbelievers have some knowledge of God. All men, without exception, have a, no- have a knowledge of God that leaves them without excuse. They know He exists. They know He deserves worship. And yet, In their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. They know that he is owed worship, yet because of their sin, because of the hardness of their heart, they give that worship to something else. They give that worship to the idols of their hearts. They give that worship to the created things in the world. But make no mistake, friends, all people know God. Everyone knows God. And they will be accountable to him at the end of the age. You walk outside, you clearly perceive his divine power and his divine nature in the things that have been made. Now how you spin that, how you interpret that is a whole other matter in your sin. But make no mistake, friends, all men know God. All men know God and yet they suppress the truth of the knowledge of God. Therefore, it's not saving knowledge that all men have. But the knowledge that John speaks of here is saving knowledge of God. That is what you and I as Christians have as a a result of being born again by the Holy Spirit. This is saving knowledge of God. Knowledge of God and of the Son that comes only by way of the Spirit. The Spirit gives you this knowledge of God. The Spirit gives you the truth. He is called the Spirit of Truth. And so you now know the truth. There is only one truth. And Christians know the truth. And you know God as your Father now, when before you only knew Him as your judge. So that, this is the kind of knowledge that John speaks of here. We know God as our Father, as the one who loves us and who sent His Son to die for us. The one who knows God in this way has been born of God. And it is necessarily the case that this one will love because love is from God and indeed God is love. You know God now by faith 
the God who is love, and therefore you must love. You will love. True love is from God. And John can say it in this way. Love is from God because there is only one love. If God is love, then any display of love, no matter how small, and no matter any display of true love, no matter how small and no matter in what way it is shown, has its origin in God. Now what is love? Well, love, as it is given to us in the Bible, can be defined as self-communication of one to another for the benefit of the other. Self-communication of one to the other for the benefit of the other. Now, of course, our biblical definition, definition of love that we're trying to get at here probably won't answer all the questions that we have in our minds, but we can get at the truth from Holy Scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not rude. There are also different degrees of love. For Christ said that there is no greater love than this, but that a man lay down his life for his friend. There is not a greater giving, a greater self-communication of oneself for the benefit of the other than to give your very life for that person. Jesus says there is no greater love. That's the greatest expression of love. To give yourself over to a person for the sake of that person. God is love, John tells us. We are told elsewhere by John that God is spirit. And that in this letter, he has already said in this particular letter, in 1 John, that God is light. Now these are all attributes of God that are given to us in Scripture that reveal to us something of what God is like. What is God? What is He? That question has been asked, and it's been answered by Scripture, and it's been answered by our spiritual fathers and our catechisms and confession. God is a spirit in and of himself, infinite in being, glory, blessedness, and perfection, and so on. He is most merciful, most gracious. He is abundant in goodness and truth. God is love. God is spirit. God is light. This is who God is. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All the attributes that we can say of the Father can be applied to the Son with equal because they share power and glory. They're equal in power and glory. This is who God is. John says that God is love here. Love then would be included within the, under the rubric, if you will, of God's goodness. It's an expression of God's infinite goodness. But it's also part of his glory as God. And so John says that God is love. Now, love is part of the expression of God's goodness. And God is perfectly loving. He does not participate in something outside of himself that's called love. There's not a thing out there that we can label love and then we participate in that. That would be to depersonalize the idea of love. That's what the world does. It's a thing. It's something out there. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. Whatever you have. In other words, we could not say that love is God. Rather, God is love. The way we are to understand this profound teaching from John is that love is something that God communicates to us by His Spirit. And it's an activity in which we participate as reflectors of His image. We love because He loved us. We love because God is love. And what we need to understand then is that love is not a thing. 
It is not something. It's not a thing. It is in essence personal. It's in essence a person. God is love. God is personal. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And therefore, love is a person. It is personal. Impersonal objects are not patient and kind. Impersonal objects are not self-sacrificing. Rational people are. People made in the image of God are. Eternal love has existed within the Godhead from all eternity, Father, Son, and Spirit, eternally delighting in one another, enjoying one another in perfect bliss as God, for God is love. Jesus refers to this love in uh, his prayer to the Father in John 17. He says, Father, I desire desire that they also whom you have given me may, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. God is love. But this heavenly love that existed before the foundation of the world, it has come down to us. It has made itself known to us by God's Spirit when He caused us to love. We are born of God who is love. We know God who is love and therefore we must love. And so John instructs us to love one another. This is who we are. Beloved, let us love one another. For we have been born of God. God is love. You are children of the God who is love, and therefore we must love. Now, the converse side of this reality is that whoever does not love has not been born of God and does not know God, does not have saving knowledge of God. Now, John cannot be more strict in this teaching. God is love. Love is from God. Therefore, it is a concrete impossibility for the one who does not have love and does not exhibit that love to the brothers to believe that he has been born of God. It's impossible. John says so in this letter. Our love for one another is but a faint image of that perfectly heavenly love of God. His love is eternal. It's unchangeable. It's simple. It's free. His love reaches to the heavens. But again, that love has come to us. It's come down from heaven. It's made itself known within us by His Spirit, by causing us to be born of God who is love. And it causes us, that is the Spirit, He causes us to love. And so it's made known. We see it. We experience it. We feel it among one another when we love each other. To put it another way, we cannot enter into fellowship with God through Christ without the net result being that we love each other. Whoever doesn't love has not experienced this transforming relationship with God who is love. John says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Now here we see that this attribute of God's love has made itself visible in the world. It was made manifest among us. That is to say, we can see it. People could see it with their eyes. It was made manifest among us, among human beings. Now remember that the love we exhibit to one another in Christ is for the sake of Christ. It's but an image of God's love. It's but a faint reflection of the love of God, which is perfect, and of the nature of God, who is love. We see it. Again, we experience it, but it's a faint reflection of of who God is. Now the kind of love that is manifested between us has various forms and modes. 
It can be expressed with words, with true words, sincere words that build one another up. Or it can be expressed in the way in which we provide for another's needs. When we see a brother or sister who is lacking in the world's goods and we have those goods and we meet that brother or sister's needs, that is an expression of the love of God towards the saints. In fact, John gives us, but, and so these are expressions of God's love, but the love that has come from God, that's the, the way in which God expresses, or we express God's love to one another, and it makes itself, makes itself known. But John gives us here the supreme example of God's love. In fact, he gives us the very essence of what love is. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. And we'll look at that in just a moment, but first John says that this love was revealed among us by the sending of His Son. Now the fact that the Son was sent here implies the pre-existence of the Son. It implies that Father and Son are one in will, and that the Son was willing to be sent, and that the Father was willing to send the Son. And so this is the eternal Son who's sent into the world to be rejected by the world, to be hated by the world, so that we might live through Him. With the arrival of the Son into history, we are given visible evidence of the love of God, that the love, visible evidence of the love that God has for His people. It's made manifest. And that visible manifestation of the love of God for His people influences the entire world. Indeed, our entire time structure is built around the coming of Christ into history, even though the unbelieving world wants to push back against the way in which we mark our days, we mark our years. And so this coming into history of God's love, the the visible manifestation of God's love, it influences every single person in the world, every single person who has ever lived, will be touched by the Christmas story. It has universal significance, one way or another. The love of God was made manifest among us. John, in his gospel, tells us that the Word who was with God in eternity and was God became flesh. He tabernacled among us. He dwelled among us. The whole world must reckon with this fact, whether they like it or not. It influences us in one way or another. And the reason that he came was so that we might live through him. His infinite loving mercy is put on display with the arrival of his son because he lifts up his people from the ash heap. He gives us new life. But where does this love begin? Well, we are told in scripture that, again, it began in eternity. God is love. God is eternal. That love began in eternity where there were no beginnings. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. And so the first expression of God's love for us is that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. John says this love was manifest among us. We cannot possibly know the love of God except that he take the initiative and he reveal his love to us. As we hear the words of Scripture describe for us the coming of Christ into the world and for those who actually witnessed with their eyes Jesus Christ come in the flesh, 
like John did. We see that the love that God had for us in eternity make itself known. Do you want to know if God loves you? Do you want to wonder and think about how God loves you? Think about the Christmas story. The taking on of human flesh of the Son of God into the world. The love of God made manifest among us. That is how much God loves you. He sent His only Son into the world for you. Now, how can it be that a God who has loved us from eternity, how can it be, though, that maybe for a history we are under His wrath, like the Apostle Paul was? Remember, Paul was not converted until the moment he came into contact with Jesus on the Damascus Road. Paul... At that time, think of, this is Paul, who around the time that God sent his son into the world was still under God's wrath, and yet he was chosen in love before the foundation of the world. Well, that love eventually came to him in history by the power of the Spirit, by the revelation of the resurrected Christ on the Damascus Road. That love enters into our history when we believe, when we are born of God. That is where it takes place for us, that it, where it begins for us. And yet, that love began in eternity. That love began with the God who chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world when we did not love Him, when we were not seeking Him. Now this Jesus is not just any other person, and we were in need of not just any kind of death. This Jesus who was sent into the world. The love of God was made manifest among us when God sent His only begotten Son in order that we might live through Him. Now it's true that based upon what Scripture teaches, it's proper to say that the Son is eternally begotten of the Father. But I don't think that is exactly what John has in view here. I think what John has in view is that Jesus is God's only begotten Son in the sense that He is His one and only Son, His unique Son, like Isaac was Abraham's unique Son, the one and only Son as He is described in the book of Hebrews. How much more precious in the sight of God is there a gift than to give His only Son, His only begotten Son. That is what He gave to you to give you life. Isaac was the only precious son of Abraham, but Jesus is the son in the highest sense of the term. He is God's only son, His only begotten son. He is the son of God in an eternal sense. God gives good gifts to all of us, but the greatest gift that He has given is His son, His one and only son, who is the exact imprint of His nature. One theologian said it this way, Uh, Writing in the 17th century, he said, He could have given nothing more excellent, nothing dearer, if even he had given the whole universe. He gave not things, not the world, though he has given us the world. He gave his only son. And not only this, but the nature of God's love for us is revealed in the uniqueness, is not only revealed in the uniqueness of the one he gave, but in in the purpose for which he was sent, that we might live through him. Undeserving people who are not seeking him, who are born not loving him, were sent or were given the sending of the Son so that we might live through him. This is what John says. 
And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. John called his listeners to love one another. And the reason that he gave was that love is from God. Love does not originate within us. We are incapable of it. Incapable of it. We are born in this world not loving, but when we are born of God, we begin to love. And therefore, the glory of God's love has been shown to us, has been revealed to us in the sending of his Son, and we experience it in the love that we show to one another. He first loved us, therefore we should love one another. We, though we were undeserving of any good thing from God, not even life or breath, because we sinned against him, he has given us the greatest gift he could have given, the giving of his only begotten Son, the unique Son of God, of whom there is only one, and of whom there is none greater or higher or more precious in the sight of God. He gave that Son, His only begotten Son, to us. Now this definition of love should have given John's hearers a better understanding of what really was being said when he addressed them as beloved. And it should, be given, it should give us, too, a clearer and deeper understanding of what this means to be truly loved by God. But again, we need to look at the reason why the Son was sent and what he is referred to as in this verse. He sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We had sinned against God. We were not deserving of any good thing. We were not seeking him. We were not loving him. In fact, not only did we not deserve to know him, to have him as our Father, in fact, we deserve and had earned his wrath. So we would deserve something else altogether that we could not purchase, we could not obtain, we could not earn on our own. We deserved his wrath. And yet, what did he give to us? He gave his son to absorb that wrath on the cross, to be a propitiation, a sacrifice, a substitute in our place. His unique son, whom he loved in eternity, He gave to you to die in history for our sins. That is love. Because God is love. It could be no other way. If you think about it, it could be no other way other than that He sent His unique Son, His only begotten Son, into the world to be a propitiation for our sins. That is love. Because God is love. And friends, because we have been born of that God, this God, we love. And we must love. We are called to love. And therefore, let us love. When we think about the love that came down from heaven to us and made itself known before us on the cross, there is then no excuse on our part that those who have been loved by God in His one and only Son to not love to not love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Rather, we will love. We are called to love. And so, brothers and sisters, we should love one another, for love is from God, and God is love. Let's pray together, friends. Our Father in heaven, our God who is love and who has made that love manifest among us. We thank you, O Lord, for the Christmas story, for Christmas Day, 
in which the love of God was made manifest among us, and that your one and only Son was born to a virgin, took on human flesh, and died in the place of sinners who were in need of such a sacrifice. Father, we thank you for this beautiful display of your love given to undeserving sinners such as us, such as us, and recorded in the pages of Holy Scripture that we might continually contemplate this love through the preaching of the gospel, to the reading and hearing of your word. Father, as we think about this love that was shown to us in your Son, we pray, Father, that by the power of your Spirit, who has poured the love of God into our hearts, we pray that you would indeed help us to love one another. Father, help us to show the same type of self-communication and self-sacrifice that Jesus has shown to us to one another, that your love may continually be made known in the church and through the church. For there is no love in the world if you are not at work in the church loving the church, and showing your love through the love that we have for one another. So, Father, do this good work in your people, we pray. Father, we pray now for the nations of the world and for our country and for every civil leader that you've raised up and for kings and princes across the world. We pray, Father, that you would bless them and be gracious to them. We pray especially, Lord, for those places that are are suffering much through uh, violence and through inner turmoil and uh, through civil decay. We pray, Father, that you would strengthen them and bless them. Show your common grace to them and be loving and merciful to your people. We pray, Father, that the love of God that was manifest among us in Jesus Christ, we pray that that love would influence and convert lost sinners to Jesus Christ and would have an influence in the world. We pray, Father, as uh, we endure all these things, that you would give us grace to endure and endure in love. And we pray that you would be merciful to uh, your churches in every land. Father, we pray for our country and for uh, the work of uh, our missionaries and our home missionaries. We pray, Father, that you would bless them and keep them and multiply the fruit that is born through their labors. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would make your love known among us here at Providence, thanking you for all the good gifts that you have showered upon us and that you have given to us uh, by the power of your Spirit. We pray, Father, that you would provide for all of our needs and continually bless us with spiritual blessings and physical blessings as we need them. Father, fill our hearts with love for one another, that we would lay down our lives for each other and that we would meet each other's needs and continually pray for one another. Father, we lift up to you those who suffer and those who grieve. We think this morning of uh, Jim Witt, William Scott, and John Burleson. We pray for Dorothy and Kay, Hal, and for Autumn Broccolo and the Broccolo family. We ask, Father, for your special grace to be given to Autumn Broccolo. She's struggling with a fever this very morning. We pray, Lord, that you uh, would give her the good gift of of physical healing. And um, we pray, Father, that you would be with the Broccolos as they care for her. Father, continue to manifest your love among them and strengthen them uh, by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Father, we lift up to you the Akorafor family, asking that you would show them mercy as they look for a home in which they might um, build their lives together as a Christian family. We pray, Father, for those who grieve the loss of loved ones, ask that you would wipe away every tear from their eyes. We thank you for our children, our teenagers, and our young people. We ask, Lord, that 
You would bless them and keep them from the evil one. We pray for our expectant mothers as we lift up to you Amanda Potts this morning. We ask that your love would be shown to her and that you would protect the baby in her womb. Father, we lift up to you our beloved sister Ellie Casey, thanking you for the the gift of faith that you've given to her and for loving her in Jesus Christ. Father, provide for all of her needs and establish her steps in the paths of righteousness. And uh, we pray, Father, that you would fill our hearts with love, that we would continually love, show love to her and pray for her continually. Father, we thank you for Ellie. We ask, Lord, that you would watch over her and keep her in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that you hear and answer our prayers. We commit all of these things unto you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, beloved, we now have the wonderful opportunity to respond uh, to the gracious uh, proclamation of the gospel with our gracious giving. May the Lord Jesus Christ be pleased to use our sacrifices for his wise ends. Amen. Well, at this time, I'd like to invite uh, Jeff and Denise Rains uh, to uh, the front and along with the session of uh, Providence. What better way to uh, celebrate Christmas Eve than to be given the gift of new members, right? So Merry Christmas is a wonderful, a wonderful time. Oh, beloved in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, we thank our God for the grace that was given to you, and that you have accepted God's promise of salvation, that you have publicly professed your faith in Jesus Christ, and we rejoice that God in his gracious providence has brought you, Jeff and Denise, to us here at Providence to join with us in this congregation we rejoice that he's given you a desire um, to serve us here and to unite with us. And so we ask that you testify before us to the faith that you profess by giving assent to the following questions. Do you believe the Bible, consisting of the Old and New Testaments, to be the word of God and its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation? Yes. Do you believe in one living and true God in whom eternally there are three distinct persons, God the Father, 
God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, who are the same in being and equal in power and glory, and that Jesus Christ is God the Son come in the flesh. Do you confess that because of your sinfulness you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin, and that you trust for salvation not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone? Do you acknowledge that Jesus do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord? And do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God you will serve him with all that is in you, forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life? Do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service, to submit in the Lord to its government, and to heed its discipline, even in case you should be found delinquent in doctrine or life? Amen. Well, friends, we would do well to remember most of us have taken these same vows. It's a good reminder for all of us. Um, uh, These are some of the ways in which we can show our love for one another by continuing to fulfill these uh, vows. And as Jeff and Denise have been received into full communion in the church, remember that we are all obligated to receive them in Christ. We are all members of one another. We are members of the one body of Jesus Christ, and we are all called to serve them in love. And therefore, we ought to commit ourselves before God to assist uh, Jeff and Denise in Christian nurture by our example, by prayer, and by encouragement in our most precious faith in the fellowship of believers. Well, beloved, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to all the privileges of full communion with this congregation of God's people. And I charge you, continue steadfastly in the confession that you have made humbly relying upon the grace of God and the diligent use of the means of grace, especially the word of God, the sacraments, and prayer. And rest assured that if you confess Christ before men, he will confess you before his Father who is in heaven. And may the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, may he perfect you, establish you, and strengthen you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. pray. Father God, we know you have told us that this is not our church, but your church. Uh, Christ is the head of this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Your church has been established from the beginning, and you have called us from the beginning. This is not our church, but your church. We thank you that we have come to this point where Jeff and Denise have uh, committed to this body, but more than that, have committed themselves and to you, uh, have committed their lives to Christ. We ask, Father, as we've heard in the sermon uh, from your word this morning, that since we know God, we love God. Jeff and Denise, we ask that uh, you would help us to love them as a congregation. And likewise, we ask that you would give grace to Jeff and Denise as they grow in their love to you, to one another, and in this congregation, and that uh, our love would be mutual. We thank you again for our dear Savior, and bringing us to this point in Jeff, De- Jeff and Denise's life. Thank you again for loving us. In Christ's name, amen.
Well, again, a wonderful way to celebrate uh, Christmas Eve by give, being given the gift of uh, new members. Uh, as usual, we'll invite Jeff and Denise to come uh, forward after the service, and you can uh, congratulate them and uh, encourage them uh, in the faith after the service. If you would now, friends, please turn in your hymnals to page 851 if you need to do so. There you will find uh, the Apostles' Creed, which we will uh, confess as a profession of our faith in the gospel this morning. And let's all stand together as we do so, friends. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you would not turn to hymn 299, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Hymn 299.
Amen. Just a quick reminder before we do uh, the blessing tonight, our Christmas Eve service is at 5 p.m. We'd love to have you back with us uh, this evening. Bring your friends and family, if you can, uh, for our Christmas Eve service tonight at 5 p.m. Also, we'd like to invite Jeff and Denise to come forward after the service. Please welcome them and encourage them uh, in the faith. Now, friends of God, receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.